This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez. Joining us now, of course, you hear him on ESPN, calls all the, a lot of sports, college football, college basketball, you'll be calling the American Conference Bass Men's Basketball Championships this week up in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, part of the great crew over there, and of course he calls softball throughout the season, I have to mention that as the softball guy I speak of, and he's also the voice uh, calls Baltimore Oriole games and Major League Baseball, I speak of Kevin Brown joining us, uh, how you, that's a, I, I, I shortchanged you on the resume because you have a lot of stuff you're doing. It's, it's impressive, though. Yeah, um, I'm going on regular dog walks, Eric. I'm taking piano lessons. Um, yeah, who knows? Who knows what I'm doing? But we we can't spend this whole time just talking about the things I'm I'm doing. I mean, we we'd run out of time, frankly. This is but true. but true. that but that was a lovely introduction, uh, and and I I appreciate the introduction and the kudos, and I am happy to be here. Well, let's start with, obviously, this week, what's in the forefront for you, the American Conference Championships. You've covered the American Conference. Uh, what's your, what, what are you looking forward to the most this week out of Fort Worth? Obviously, you got Houston, the number one ranked team in the country, yeah. playing for the top seed, perhaps, of the NCAA tournament. Memphis trying to secure a spot in the field. And then who knows if there's a team that could maybe spoil the party here. What, what What's your thoughts on this week's tournament? Well, it – on paper, it's certainly set up for Houston-Memphis round three. Um, we had the first game three weekends ago in Houston. Houston never trailed. They won by eight. Memphis hung around, and they were on the road without Kendrick Davis. And then the game just a few days ago on Sunday was a phenomenal game. Memphis didn't lead until the second half, but took the lead, held it for a while. Houston came back, and then Jamal Shedd hit a, a jumper at the buzzer. Second time in three years, Houston has beaten Memphis at the buzzer in the regular season finale. Tremont Mark did it a couple of years ago, too. Uh, last year, we hit a Houston-Memphis final one week after the last day of the regular season. Memphis ran Houston out of the gym in Memphis. And then a week later, Houston beat them pretty handily in Fort Worth. So here we have another Houston-Memphis regular season finale, another great game. And I think there's a... a very strong chance one week later it's Houston Memphis again. Um, that is the top line story, but you know sometimes the top line story is the obvious story. Uh, I think Houston is the best team in the country. I've thought that for a while. Um, they've been my pick from day one to win the championship, the national championship, and I'm not wavering now. Um, it doesn't seem like it's a year where there's necessarily a behemoth, like a Baylor from a couple of years ago. Baylor and Gonzaga that year were so head and shoulders but the rest of the field. So I think Houston has as good a chance as anybody. I uh, I don't know. I don't know really as I look over the American field who could spoil the Houston-Memphis party because I think those two are, are pretty far above the rest of the field. I have a couple of teams that I'm interested in, but I, as I look at an overview, I think it's all set up for what might be a great third game between those two teams. I want to ask you about one of the teams in the field there, uh, UCF, that you've covered in various sports, actually. You've covered them in football and men's basketball. I want to start with yeah. men's hoops. What's your thoughts on UCF men's basketball, Johnny Dawkins and Taylor Hendricks, who has obviously had a great freshman year for them. They've had some tough losses, close losses, uh, so they got a lot of work to do, obviously. But what's been your thoughts on them, uh, having covered the program? I you know, I was hoping that uh, just as a neutral observer and somebody who's a fan of the American Conference, I was hoping in around mid-January this this could be an NCAA tournament team. I really liked what they did at the start of conference play. 
Um, they start four and one. They have that amazing, crazy, emotional, gutty double overtime went over Memphis. And it seemed like everything was going their way. And then it's sort of hard for me to put a finger on, on what's happened, to be honest with you. Offensive inconsistency, but at times their defense letting them down. And that's what surprises me because as long as I've covered Johnny's teams, defensively, they've been really strong. Um, you know, they, they maybe got South Florida right as South Florida was ascending. You give up 85 points, um, give it up 82 in the home loss to South Florida. You know, the loss to Temple at home in overtime. I know Temple has had a pretty good year, but that's a game UCF should win. I, I, I just think a lack of consistency offensively and a couple more defensive blemishes. But as I look at the last few games and the way they've defended, and I look at the skill level of Taylor Hendricks and the versatility, I, I just I wonder about this team. If there's a sleeper in this bracket, UCF for really all season has been – consistently third among American teams in Ken Palm. They've been third best among American teams in the net. Um, they are by Ken Pomeroy's metrics and Ken Pomeroy for folks that don't know, um, you know, the stats guru of college basketball. Uh, he has them as the fourth least lucky team, the fourth unluckiest team out of 363 in the country, which basically to say that a lot of close games have not gone their way. And, you know, they win the seven ten matchup. You get into a battle with Memphis. It's a Memphis team UCF started beating this year. I don't know. At, at some point, the numbers maybe don't lie. They feel like they've been lying for a while because I think UCF's too good to be 17-13, but their underlying metrics are really good. The defense that they've played the last three games is really good. And if there is a spoiler in this bracket, I don't think it'll be on the Houston side. I think Houston will cruise to the final. I think Memphis is a little more vulnerable. And UCF has the skill level. They have the ability to shoot. They hit 16 threes in that Memphis home win. So it's a game I would be keeping a very, very close eye on. Um, I know Tulane's beaten Memphis twice this year, but I think the way Memphis and Tulane have gone about the season, I, I think Memphis is a little bit further ahead now. But I, UCF could be a tricky matchup. And if there is a spoiler in this bracket, again, it's somewhere on the bottom. Houston will not lose, I don't think, to Cincinnati or Temple. I don't think they'll lose to South Florida or ECU. So UCF and maybe Wichita State, which has played well and has a really strong starting five. Those those are two teams that if anybody's going to surprise, I think it could be one of those two. Yeah, and UCF's had some injuries too. They've played a role in that. Michael Durr missed some time. Their stats where they're a different defensive team when he's yeah. in the lineup, when he's not in the lineup. They lost C.J. Walker early in the year. Darius Johnson has been in and out of the lineup. So that kind of – probably goes part of why the record is and the unluckiness, as you mentioned, that's some great stats though. Yeah. Uh, I did not realize that, that they kept, I mean, in conference tournaments too, I think teams shorten their rotations, right? You play the guys that have gotten you here. You play the guys that you want to play. That's why I I think Wichita state is interesting because Wichita state's not great outside of their starting five. Their bench is a little bit hit and miss, but their starting five is all averaging double figures or, or just under it. And I think UCF's five can be as good as anybody's besides Houston's and maybe Memphis's. And with some of the injuries that, you know, the depth has been exposed. But I think when it comes down to it, you're going to play your best five guys, probably 30 plus minutes in a conference tournament. It's all about how good is your top five. Whereas in the regular season, like on a Wednesday night on two days rest, it might be how good is your one through nine. So I, I think, UCF and Wichita State may have that going for them. Um, 
You don't always want to be the deepest team of the conference tournament. You want to have the best top five because those guys are just going to play a disproportionate number of minutes because, you know, the season's on the line. Uh, we're speaking with Kevin Brown of ESPN here. Uh, I want to ask you, what's it like? Give us an idea what your preparation is like this week, getting ready for this conference tournament. Because you you have to kind of know everybody. It's not like a single yeah. game where you can focus on just two teams. You're going to do a handful of teams, and then it depends on results, you know, different matter. What, what's a, what's it like preparing for a week uh, to do a conference tournament? Busy. <laughs> <laughs> I have a softball game tomorrow, too, and I had a spring training oh. game yesterday, so my head's spinning a little bit. Um, the good news is I've been in the American for six years now, and, I, and I've, you know, I've covered the league again a lot this year. So I will make charts, or some people call them boards, um, on Microsoft Excel. There are a lot of folks that write, that handwrite their charts, and that probably helps them with gathering information. Uh, I type all my stuff out in part because – when I see a team later in the year, I have information there. So I'll make player boxes for all the players in the rotation. I'll have their stats. I'll have some personal notes, height, weight, et cetera. So the good news is, um, you know, I've, I've watched UCF this year, but I've not, I've not called a UCF game. So I don't have a UCF chart. So I'd have to make an outline of that. But I've done Houston. I've done Memphis. Uh, I've done Cincinnati. I've done Temple done Wichita State, you know, I've done most of the teams in the league, SMU, Tulsa. So I just have to go back to a previous version of that file and type in some new numbers um, in the stats, type in some new trends, you know, update their conference rankings. Uh, I'll print my stuff out at FedEx office. There's a FedEx office that's located very close to my hotel in Fort Worth, which is good. I print them out on eight and a half by 14 legal size paper, staple them to a manila folder. And I'll try to go into Friday with, you know, just updated outlines of, of, um, of the teams I might see on Saturday. But I, I know on Friday I'm going to have the, the uh, first two quarterfinals. So I'm not going to have Houston, and I know I'll have Cincinnati Temple. Um, so probably tomorrow, Thursday, I'll just have a shell of South Florida and a shell of East Carolina, which will just be names, numbers, stats. It's pretty basic stuff. And then whoever wins that game, I'll fill in a little bit more personal notes as the day goes on. And I've seen those teams play too, um, but not personally. I've just seen them on video. So Thursday, we'll be gathering information about those teams a little bit. Thursday night, I have Wichita State, Tulsa. have had both those teams in the last couple of weeks. So again, um, I've spoken with both coaches recently. I have personal information. It'll be about updating numbers. And then day before the game, um, or on game day, you try to talk to the sports information directors of the team. Those are the folks in athletic communications. Tulsa has a bunch of injuries right now. As we record this, I know I have the Tulsa game in two days. I don't know who the hell is going to play for Tulsa. <laughs> yeah. So I'll try to get that information before the game so I can scratch those names off my boards if I need. Uh, and then we'll show up before the game an hour and a half or so early, try to spend a few minutes with each coach get some game day information, personnel keys to the game, et cetera. Um, but, but, you know, basically I'll, I'll make sure that I have all of my notes ready to go for, for Wichita, Tulsa, for the three teams I know Friday. And then I'll just do a little outline of South Florida, East Carolina, so I can prioritize my time better. I, I don't want to get all the way in the weeds yet because I don't know who's going to win that game. So um, I figure if I, 
if I only prep for one of those teams, the other one would win. So <laughs> the way it goes. So I'll just do a little bit of work on that. And then as Thursday goes on, I'll, I'll fill in the gaps and probably Thursday night finalize my South Florida, East Carolina notes. Do the first two games Thursday I'll watch, or Friday. Uh, I'll watch the last two games Friday. And again, I'll be probably updating my notes as those games go along. So it is a, it is a cycle. You know, it is a constant stream of work as the week goes along and along. And then Saturday, you just punch in the new numbers from the teams on Friday. Sunday, you punch in the new numbers from the teams on Saturday. And then I guess I do basketball uh, six months after that. And we take a, a long break to call baseball. It's fun. I mean, it's the conference tournaments are a thrill. And um, the good news is, like, a lot of the personal stories are interesting, but the drama is so compelling. The theater of it is so compelling that you don't need to lean in as heavily as you might in a midweek regular season game. It's win or go home. And you know some basic things. You find a couple of important stories. And then you just let the game play out how it's going to play out. No, it's great. Now, but what's amazing, and you just referenced this, you, you just, you're also preparing doing baseball and you're doing softball. You told me you're doing softball. Uh, yeah. I have uh, Auburn Georgia fit. tech tomorrow. Right. So uh, like full, I mean, I, in the fall, it's crazier for me. I do basketball in the fall, in the, in the fall winter filling in while I also do volleyball soccer, but normally now I'm just doing softball. You're, but you're balancing basically three sports at the same time frame. How do you yeah. juggle that? Little because it's you know you're you just describing that I really appreciate you breaking down how you prepare for this conference tournament. It's a lot of work, but you're also preparing for baseball and softball. It's like how do you do that? Uh, I don't really know. Ask me on Friday. <laughs> I mean, um, it, it. I mean, it's hard. I I don't have any. I don't have any real secrets. Like I don't have any tricks. Any life hacks. Um, just, I just kind of have no choice. I just have to be prepared. Um, Monday was Orioles spring training and I work for the Orioles. So I know the Orioles very well. And, um, you know, it was Orioles Phillies split squad, split squad game, right? So that usually when a team travels for spring training, they don't bring the regulars. And if people are watching the game, they're watching it on the Orioles network. They do not care about the Phillies backups. They do not care about the Phillies AAA team. So I spent almost no time on the Phillies. Know a couple of things about Bryson Stott, Alec Bohm, but people are tuning into an Orioles spring training game to know about the Orioles. Um, I've got that pretty well covered. I sat down with our uh, manager for a little bit yesterday, got his overview on the team, um, talked to one of our hitting coaches, just went through the lineup with him. What are guys working on in the offseason? What kind of swing changes, et cetera? Sat down with our pitching coach for a few minutes. Any new pitches? What are these guys working on in spring training, et cetera? And then a lot of yesterday was about the rule changes. Um, I had done two spring training games the previous week, so I had some familiarity with the pitch timer and all that kind of stuff. So that was yesterday. Uh, and then on the flight home from Sarasota, Really started digging into this Auburn-Georgia Tech game. Um, went through both teams' media guides, pulled out any pertinent information there. Had coach calls with both coaches today. Um, so I, I've gotten most of my information now from coach calls, media guides, going through the roster. Now tonight will just be about making that fit into a cohesive Microsoft Word document. 
Then I'll have the game tomorrow. And once the game tomorrow ends, I'll probably take a couple of hours to outline some stuff. And then uh, on the flight to Dallas, I'll do some more work. I do a lot of work on planes. I guess that there's one secret I have. It's I really don't get to watch many movies or like read many books on planes, which I like to do. Um, but I'm just always trying to get ahead on the next flight, build the next chart, um, go through the next media guide. And um, I, I, I'm very good to the airlines. I contribute a lot of money to the airline Wi-Fi fund <laughs> because I just, I have an uninterrupted couple of hours in the air. It, it's, it's like the best time I can get work done. So, so, they're, so I, they're excited when they see you on a flight. They're excited. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Platinum Diamond Elite Wi-Fi member that I am. <laughs> very fair. You got to call Respring Training Baseball with Jessica Mendoza. Mm. Uh, what was that like? Uh, I, I, when I saw that, I was like, whoa, that's kind of wild. Like, you're doing baseball, but you're doing it with Jessica, obviously, who covers yeah. baseball, but a former softball player. It's kind of like, it was kind of, I was thinking, wow, that's a pretty cool deal. It was great because Jess has become a friend through the World Series, but we've never called a game together right. until this past week. Um, you know, we've been at the World Series on the different teams the last two years. Jess is awesome. Jess is just one of the most genuine, kind-hearted, sweet, good-natured person. She's a lot of fun. She's like she's the, she's the kind of person you need a cough button for because she'll just be laughing and smiling at you when something funny comes up on the air when the producer says something in your headset um she she just has such a good spirit and um after a couple of years i was i was really glad we finally got to work together and yeah jess is jess is pretty amazing too i mean i look i cover a bunch of sports as you said but for jess to to cover the world series for her to cover major league baseball i mean jess has covered college football before like she she is incredibly versatile and incredibly smart and um, to be with her and Tim Kirchin, that's the loosest booth I've ever been in ever. And maybe the nicest booth. Like those two are, they're almost too nice. I kind of wish they would be a little bit ruder to me. Just so I'd, <laughs> just, just so I'd feel, you know, like there was, um, I don't know, a little less sugar. They're just way too nice. They're, they're too good of people. Like we need a, we need a little edge in that booth. Yeah. Well, you guys sounded great. It was pretty awesome. And, I'll be honest, a part of me is like, man, I wonder what a Kevin Brown Mendoza Scarborough broadcast would sound like, either in softball or baseball. Could, could work. That'd be fun. I mean, we've, you know, I've done Michelle and Amanda, which is great, and they work really well together. Um, yeah, I would love to do a game with, with Jess and Amanda. That would be awesome. All right. Maybe, in, maybe in basketball, maybe bring him to the American, you know? <laughs> bring him into the hoops, sir. If there's room <laughs> yeah. for John Crispin. I don't know. John likes to talk. You know, he's got to say his piece there. John, That's right. That's right. We can't. We got to give John this space. Yeah. Well, we, uh, we're we going to let you go. I know it's a busy week. Thank you so much. American Conference Championships this week, uh, ESPNU and all the ESPN app platforms. You're going to be on the call. John Crispin, you do a great job every year uh, calling that. Uh, always look forward to it. Uh, then, obviously, you'll be doing softball and baseball for the Orioles. And then come fall, you'll be probably back at football, probably. Hopefully. Yeah, probably. Get to see all those. Might cross paths again with John Rice Plumley in UCF. Oh, yeah, he's coming back. That's right, isn't he? Yeah, he's playing baseball yeah. right now. He's playing baseball, hitting over 300. I don't, Is he really? Ever, yeah, he's hitting over 300. He's off to a good start. Did you talk to him about Because I know you covered a couple of his games. Yeah, we did. We did. Um, boy, I was impressed with him. Great piano player, too, apparently. Yeah. Um, man after my own heart. He's a much better piano player than I am, though. Uh, I didn't. I didn't realize that he was uh, 
I, I mean, I knew he was playing baseball. I didn't realize he was playing that well. I know he was pretty banged up by the end of the year. So, man, I'm glad he's healthy and he's playing. That kid's amazing. He's he's as fast as anybody I've ever seen at play quarterback, I think, at any – I mean, I've not called NFL games in person, but, gosh, I've never seen a college quarterback who can run like him. He is special. Yeah, he's in over 300 playing center field, so. Crazy. Yeah, he's doing his good Maybe job. he should be doing the American games with me, too. I don't know. Uh, he's busy. He's, he doesn't, I don't think he has time for that, but yeah, we, we can pass it along there. But, uh, all right, Kevin, thank you so much. Uh, have a great call uh, this week, and uh, appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Uh, we're big fans, and uh, thanks for talking to us. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it.